Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I've been looking forward to speaking to this guest all week long. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous, Mr. Alan Levinson from General Motors. Alan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, thanks, Jason. How are you? Sorry, it's like my, it's like my best um, version of like a WWE intro. I know I didn't quite bring... The excitement there, but uh, <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> it was terrific. <laughs> hey, Alan, uh, we got some really, really cool topics to talk about today, and I am so excited uh, to get into some of these topics. But for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now um, who don't know who you are and kind of what mm -hmm. you do with General Motors, because I love your title, by the way. I think it's like six different titles kind of all in one. Actually, let's start yeah, there. It, it's a little long. I'll, I'll give you that. So, Alan, what is your title right now with General Motors? I am the director of the sales, marketing, and brand analytics team within the chief data and analytics office at GM. So, yes, you're right. That's fairly long. I love it, by the way. <laughs> it was like, it was, I was looking at normally, you know, with, with guests, I'll put like their titles down at the bottom. Like, I don't think I can make this one fit. Um, <laughs> I would just say data and analytics. How's that? How's there that? we go. That just kind of encompasses everything. Well, hey, Alan, um, for everyone out there watching, listening, I love I love kind of kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story because I got to be honest with you, I'm always fascinated, you know, how people get people get started into this crazy little world we call the automotive industry. So I'd love to hear kind of your origin story of how you got started in automotive. Sure. Happy to do that. Uh, so as I think about my career, you know, there's really three parts to it. The first part, I was a strategy management consultant. Mm -hmm. uh, right out of college, I worked with Bain and & Company and after went off to business school and after that with McKinsey & Company. Um, enjoyed that. Interestingly, I was always enjoyed cars. My dad and I were always into them as a kid. Um, you know, one of my clients, literally my first one right at Bain was with Chrysler uh, back in 1985. Uh, as well, <laughs> I did cool. some work with uh, Mercedes uh, when I was at McKinsey. Um, so enjoyed that great experience, but really wasn't my calling in life to be a consultant. So I uh, moved over and then came up phase two of my career, uh, came up the sales and marketing route with a number of consumer based companies and retailers, uh, as well as did some, an internet startup as well, when that was kind of the thing right at the beginning of e-commerce. Uh, then, um, for the last 20 or so years is now phase three of my career, uh, all in the automotive space. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, interestingly, I'm probably one of the few people that have experience in both sort all three, the, the dealer side of things, uh, the vendor side, as well as the OEM or manufacturer side. So as I told you, there. I came up sales and marketing. <laughs> Um, I ended up with Asbury Automotive Group, mm -hmm. uh, which, as you know, is one of the public dealer groups. Uh, started there in 2001 uh, while it was still a private company, kind of in the early days of consolidation and, and of the, the so-called mega groups. Uh, so I was responsible for sales and marketing there. Um, it was still a relatively small corporate office, newer company. So I mm -hmm. got involved in a lot of different things there. Uh, I ran the internet operations. I was responsible for sales. We got a 
sort of a one-priced used car business off the ground that nice. didn't last too long. Back, it was pretty early back <laughs> then for that. I uh, was obviously involved in t- CRM, got the concept of equity mining, which we'll talk about going. We're one of the early companies to really uh, uh, dive into that. So great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, phase t- then, uh, the second t- uh, role within the automotive space is made a change and joined up with a much smaller company called Prospect Vision, who was literally the first data mining or equity marketing company in the in the industry. That's cool. Um, it was uh, started by a couple of guys who ended up were my partners. They brought me in as a as an equity partner. Had a great idea, needed some help to kind of bring it to the next level, and uh, so that's what I did. I was there for eight years. Uh, pretty exciting uh, business, <laughs> and again, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Great for our, our dealers. Well, I think it's just cool that you, you, you've been there, kind of all the places, right? Like, I mean, look, you, you know how the dealers love to complain about their vendors. You know how the vendors love to complain about their dealers. You know how the dealers love to complain about their OEMs. Like, it's, you, you've been, you've been in all those places, so it's it's cool, and I, it's really cool. That I think could get some of your insights on some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, the first topic uh, we, we talked a little bit before we got to record, and I was like, yeah, this is a cool topic. I don't get to talk about this topic too often on a podcast, so I'm excited to talk about it. Is it is around exclusiveness or inclusiveness? Sorry, inclusiveness um, inside kind of the automotive space. It, it's not a topic that's typically talked about. I'm, I'm in hundreds and hundreds of operations meetings every single year from, from individual rooftops, dealer groups, um, and you just, it's not something that's typically discussed. And I think this is something that, you know, General Motors has taken a huge stance on and they've, they've been very public about, all right, their, their approach to inclusiveness. And I think it's something that we could really learn you know, from the individual dealership and even the dealer groups of, and I'd love to kind of get your story uh, uh, from what your approach or what your experience was with working with more of an inclusive company. Sure. Happy, happy to, happy to have that conversation. Um, so the, yes. And then the, the last piece was after prospect vision, I then joined up with general motors about four years ago. And, uh, you know, you are correct. It is a incredibly inclusive company. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that when I joined, um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect to be perfectly blunt. I had spent my entire life kind of on the East coast mm-hmm. and was moving out to what I assumed was a older established company in Michigan. And I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, the reason it's pretty directly relevant to me is I should have mentioned as well that I am a out, uh, gay executive in the automotive space. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and I wasn't always, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, um, not necessarily something that I am proud of or not, but that's my story. And we, we each have our own. Uh, I was married to a woman for, for many years. I have four amazing daughters. I came out to friends and family uh, about uh, 11 years ago now, but never was comfortable coming sure. out uh, in my professional life uh, until I got to, to GM. Um, so, and, and in the uh, automotive space, I think there's a lot that can be dissected there and, and kind of talked about, right? Um, you know, when I think of the automotive space, just in general, all right, we're not necessarily taught to be ourselves, right? We're, it's very robotic, all right? These are the 12 steps to the cell. 
Here's exactly how you have to do your meet and greet. All right. This is exactly the way you have to dress. Here's your name tag. And there's not a lot of room. All right. Well, at least in the past, I'm seeing so much more and I would say in the last five years where uh, staff and employees can really embrace who they are within the workplace, not necessarily just fitting into the mold that the workplace is looking for. And, you know, I just, it's like, how do you start that conversation? Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, there's been a lot of progress, um, but as if one were to generalize, (laughs) we are not known as the sort of most um, open-minded progressive industry, particularly in the retail world. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is a little bit more of a, you know, some of the uh, male dominated Mm -hmm. uh, world. And uh, as I said, I just never quite felt comfortable, you know, while at Prospect Vision, which is when I came out, you know, I was calling on dealer principals and, and general managers uh, all day long to try and get them to join up with our service. And, you know, th- there's two ways to look at it. One way you could look at it and say, why bring it up? You sure. know, it's nobody's business what my sex life is. <laughs> Nobody else tells me <laughs> theirs. And so you could easily justify uh, that, it, re- you know, it's just not something you need to bring up. And that was kind of the approach that I took. Uh, particularly knowing that it was not the most open uh, area. That said, you know, now that I've been at one of legitimately one of the most inclusive companies in the world, and we can talk about that, I can truly say it is so much better to allow people to be themselves as the expression goes, be able to bring their whole selves to work uh, and not have to uh, keep this little secret. And, uh, it's just much better. You you get people are more comfortable. They're themselves. Mm. Uh, they're happier. They're more productive. Diverse opinions are very important, and that's a big part yes. of diversity. Is you know just you need it whether it's male, female, white, black, whatever. You want different uh, diversity of opinion to get to the best outcome. So um, you know, as I said, uh, I wasn't there initially. Um, but today can, can honestly say it is, is much better. So, um, I would certainly recommend all of the, the, you know, the, the, the dealerships out there to really try and follow what we've done at GM, where we've taken a whole number of steps Mm -hmm. to truly be inclusive. See, I think that's the kicker is like, um, and there's a lot of dealerships that would love to have these conversations. They just don't, just don't simply know what those first steps are, you know, and, it's funny because I did have a conversation similar to this about a month ago um, where the dealership is has learned that they can do a lot with a little, all right? And they would love to kind of maintain that model, all right? But to maintain that model is being, a, there's a heavy toll being kind of put onto their people. And, you know, and I asked them, I said, well, what are you doing about it? Like, what's it making easier? I said, I'm really trying to push right now for people to kind of just be themselves when they come in. I've backed off my dress code a bit. I've backed off, you know, some of the stricter um, scheduling parameters and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of, I want people to take ownership of their individualities and I want to kind of process those individualities into, into my operation efforts. And, you know, this was happening with a couple of his employees and he noticed it, which I, huge props for the fact they acknowledged it, right? And I he's like, well, how can I duplicate that? And, and 
And I thought back to it. And I said, well, you know, we, we, we can't do, we can't ever execute on a strategy within a dealership unless we have a process. And I think that's kind of where those first steps are. It's like, how do, how do we have those initial conversations and what are some of those first processes that kind of need to be executed in our culture, in our operations? I'm sure you probably have some ideas. And I know General Moses has, has taken some of those steps. It's one thing to say it. It's a whole other thing to actually put it into process. Right. You know, and, and, and the truth is, before we talk specifics, it's so important in this day and age, because I, I can guarantee you there isn't a dealership or any company in the world right now that isn't struggling with the war for talent. Of course. And as we all know, particularly with the millennials and the younger generation, mm-hmm. um, it's all about lifestyle and feeling comfortable and you know being able to work in an appropriate manner. That's what, you know, give them credit. That's what matters and is important. Uh, and the companies that get it and react appropriately are the ones that are not only going to attract the best folks, but absolutely be able to retain them. Um, you know, so, in the, and it really is a big part of, of the recruiting efforts uh, for, for General Motors. I was Motors. just thinking, so, like, you know, like, I got this a lot as a dealer, well, as a young salesperson, right? My first dealership I worked at. It was a lot of suck it up, buttercup, and check it out the door. You know, um, we weren't necessarily encouraged to, you know, bring ourselves into it. We were told we were told to check it out the door, whatever it was. Yeah. Right? It could have been anything. It could have been an argument you were having with someone. It could have been some family problems. It could have been personal issues. It didn't matter. You checked it out the door. And, and I feel like some of the most progressive dealerships out there have kind of gone away from that. You know, but kind of what you were getting into, you know, there has to be kind of a plan and you have to be able to put it into place. Yep. No. So again, there's multiple pieces to that. One obviously is on the recruiting front mm-hmm. uh, and doing different things to, to make sure you are uh, reaching out to the widest possible uh, population uh, of group of folks. And in the case of General Motors, uh, this is, you know, as we've moved to COVID, uh, you know, the, what's happening, we have what's called uh, work appropriately, uh, which basically it leaves it up to uh, each group, each manager, each team to figure out where they want to work, when they want to work. So we are now hiring lots of people that are fully remote, that live anywhere in the comp- anywhere in the country. That obviously is allow opening us up to a much wider, more diverse pool. Uh, and you know, something like that would have even three years ago would have been just unheard of, Absolutely. but we all learned that guess what? We can be very productive, uh, working in either a hybrid or literally fully remote, uh, standpoint. Um, you know, we actually, now I wouldn't expect every company to do this, um, but we're actually here using, this is getting into (laughs) data and analytics, AI software to help us sort of mitigate bias uh, from the the resume screening process, again, oh, to make cool. sure that we're getting a very diverse pool. Um, you know, we have various uh, behaviors that we live by at General Motors, you know, mm-hmm. think customer, work as one team, et cetera. Well, a couple of years ago, when we set out under Mary Barra, our CEO's uh, goal to be literally the most inclusive company in the, in the world, uh, we now have a new uh, behavior, which is think that be inclusive. Yes. Uh, and we have meetings. You know, whenever we have a large meeting at the company, 
uh, it always starts out, it used to be with a safety message. Safety happens to be one of our other very important <laughs> tenants. We now can start with either a safety message or an inclusive message. Um, we get training on it. Um, you know, um, whenever, you know, we have our Monday morning meetings, uh, my staff meetings, you know, we always start out talking about the weekend and what you do and all that just to make it fun. I'll be honest. I kind of go out of my way to mention something that I may have done with Jad, my partner. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I'll often say his name. And there's a reason for that. I want to kind of You're being you. normalize yes, that it's okay and get people comfortable. Um, and, uh, you know, so there are a number of very specific things that you can do to make people feel comfortable being themselves, et cetera. And, and, and I do actually see the segue into the data analytics kind of part of our conversation today. You know, I was having a conversation this morning, you know, with a, with a large marketing department, with a large dealer group, and they're looking at their data and it's just kind of a, a singular bucket and they're not identifying the individuality of all the people within it, you know, and it's, it, it's so it's kind of, a, it's kind of a cool segue. Look, an inclusive company allows people to be themselves. All right. A, Good dealership uses their data to identify the individuality within all of, of their audience instead of just treating them all the same. You know, uh, it's funny because we're going to talk about equity mining. That was actually the biggest conversation I was having today. And here's the thing I think is always kind of interesting when I think of like data and equity mining. And it, like, and I, and I, the fact that the company has my data, I, I know they have my data, and my expectation is that they should know me as an individual. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was complaining this morning because this one lo particular large group, I had actually scheduled a service appointment before I came in. I got to their service, this, the service inputter, and you know, I went to go put in my phone number, and it didn't, it just brought me to another form where it asked me for my first name, my last name, my vehicle, my make, my model, my year, my VIN. And I'm like, yeah, they should have had all that. Like, you have this. I bought a $60,000 vehicle from you. Why right. are you acting like you don't know me? And I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I know you got some thoughts on this as well. Yeah. So as I said, it was interesting. I, uh, after leaving Asbury, I, I made the move over to Prospect Vision, the equity mining company. I had used that uh, that company as a, as a service when I was at Asbury, mm -hmm. and bar none, bar none, it was always our highest ROI lowest acquisition cost per vehicle sold marketing expenditure mm -hmm. ever. Um, and, you know, just think about how much money uh, every dealership or in our case, even in, at, as an OEM, you spend the thousands or millions or not <laughs> yeah. GM billions of dollars. You know, you're always trying to identify in any business people that are likely in market. Yes. And in the automotive space, uh, that's really important. Uh, if you sell bars of soap, you know what, even if I'm not looking today, if I see one on sale, I might want to buy it cause I'll need it in three weeks. Um, but you know, a vehicle, you got to get it right. So 100%. the concept of mining the data to figure out who is likely in market is so important. And you know, in the case of an, a car, it, it isn't always just months of ownership. No it's a very big piece of it is the equity situation. Uh, if, if, you know, you could take somebody that's been in their car for three years, but if there's 10 grand buried, you're not going to be able to get them out. 
take someone that's been in their car 16 months and their $500 positive equity and you reach out to them and say, guess what? Great news, Jason. I can get you out of your 2018 uh, Chevrolet uh, Malibu that you're paying $399 a month on and into a brand new one and keep your payment with no money out of pocket. That's a pretty good message. It's targeted to the individual. Yes. You're mentioning their current vehicle that they own. You're mentioning their current payment. And by using the data and pinpointing them correctly, you're identifying just those people who can get into a new vehicle. And in this case, keep their payment. So I actually have a uh, great example of this just happening actually to me. And, you know, and, and I like this because it really does kind of wrap up our entire, it kind of brings our conversation together. Is about just identifying the individual and respecting the individual. So yeah. I drive a lot. I mean, a lot. I drive 5,000 to 8,000 kilometers a month. That's about, for our American listeners, it's about three to 5,000 miles a month. I mean, I get oil changes almost monthly. Um, I know a lot of service managers in, in my area and, you know, my last vehicle is less than three years old. I put 200,000 kilometers, um, on the vehicle. Yeah, you're not and leasing that. I can be assured. <laughs> well, luckily enough, the salesperson didn't offer me a lease. Cause if he, he, if he had, I would have been, come on, are you serious? All right. But, um, the vehicle just recently went in for service and it's, it's the full Cadillac converter. I got lower struts that need to be replaced. I need new tires on this. All right, I'm looking at like a $5,000 service bill, right? And they were proactive enough because they had the data, all right, that something pinged somebody. Somebody reached out and said, look, Jay, here's what's up. All right, you got 200,000 kilometers on your vehicle. It's a $5,000 bill. I actually went ahead on your behalf, checked what we can get on market value because market value is crazy right now. All right. This is what I can do for you move forward. Do you want to go ahead and do it? And I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. no, that dealership has software already installed. So it, it, it pops up and shows where you are in your equity situation and that you're coming in for service that mm -hmm. day so that somebody is notified. That's, you know, that's what, how using data and technology in, in this day and age um, allows it. Now you still have to have the right process at that's the true. store level, um, but at least to start, you need the data. Uh, to, to know that they, that they did it, they did it appropriately. They did, they executed it perfectly. Right. And, and, and you know what the cool thing is, is they acknowledge me as an individual. They knew that I drive a lot. Okay. So the solutions, you know, to your point earlier, they didn't offer me a lease. Okay. The, the solutions they provided was catered to me as an individual. And because I drive a lot, the vehicle they even highlighted was more fuel efficient than my previous vehicle. I mean, they, they just did a real good job of kind of wrapping it up. Um, but, but to your point, it's all about process. All right. So even what, if we're talking about a dealership utilizing its data, a dealership becoming more inclusive, it comes back to, it comes, it comes back to the process, then the people, and then the execution uh, of that um, and I love the fact that you brought up kind of the future. That is the future of utilizing data. Now, let, yep. let's, let's talk a little bit about that future because, man, there are some exciting things going on over at GM right now. And I'm not even sure which direction to head in. And we can talk about like new platforms and connectivity. We can talk about like just the direction of GM. I mean, the EV experience. There's just a lot going on with, over there. What do you guys yeah. see kind of that future is? What, what, what gets you excited? Let's start there. Sure. No, I mean, the, A, there's a lot of just really exciting things in the industry itself. I mean, yeah. this is potentially one of the most exciting times ever to be in the industry. And then I'll tie it a little bit to my world, again, of data and analytics. 
but as you know, we, we are we are in the world of mobility. Um, you know, where it it isn't just about uh, selling things made out made out of steel. So it's uh, uh, it's thinking about how the world of transportation and getting people from A to B is changing and, and doing it well. So yes, EVs is a very exciting. Uh, time. We are finally hitting that inflection point. Uh, No question, General Motors, you know, intends to be the leader. Quite (laughs) frankly, we will be spending uh, uh, upwards of $30 billion uh, in the next couple of years and have over 25 different EVs hitting the road. Uh, not sure if you saw the the Silverado e, yes, uh, EV during the Super Bowl. Not sure if you guys watched that up in Canada, but uh, uh, it's it's pretty exciting. But we've got a whole slew of uh, of EVs coming, uh, and you know it's important. It's important to the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to uh, uh, to customers. So that's an exciting one. Um, and again, uh, you know th- those vehicles. Are, ha- are almost super cute, super computers on wheels. Yes. Um, so a lot of additional services that'll be coming with those that are all based on data to help bring that to life. So that's what I was thinking, uh, right? I mean, there's so much connectivity now with these new platforms that are coming out. Um, I love data. You love data. It must be like, oh man, there's going to be some fun stuff. Um, like, where do you think, or maybe what do you think is some of the cool strategies or some of the things that might be executed here soon? Now with this new fa- found data, all right, wh- what can we look forward as a consumer? Sure. I mean, a, a lot of it and what I personally am spending a lot of time on is using it to deliver truly personalized, again, we're coming back to that, yeah. customer customer experiences. Uh, as we move into the future, the, the experience is, is, is truthfully as important or more important uh, to consumers than the, the vehicle itself. Uh, and again, in order to personalize, you have to know, uh, have the data. So I'll give you one very specific little one that we just implemented, but it's fresh, is you know we have the connected vehicle data, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. to any customer that opts in and they have to opt in. <laughs> um, but if they do that and they give consent for us to use their data that we pull off the vehicle, we can offer them some really cool stuff that they'll love. Uh, you know, one of, we have, I think 16 million cars on the road with our OnStar mm-hmm. uh, connected services and safety and security. Great. One of the very most popular uses is what's called remote access, being able to, from your phone, do a number of things, one of which is start your car. Yep. Um, and living here in Michigan, uh, when it's pretty cold, I everybody loves to start their car before they leave, and obviously the same to precondition it in, in, the, in the warm states to cool it down. Um, one of the things that people always do is they kind of forget, and you're ready to go, and it's like, why didn't I remember to start the car? So one of our recent products that we've just come out with is using artificial intelligence, AI. Mm-hmm. We were able to predict when a customer is likely oh. to go on a trip okay, and then send it. them a reminder message ahead of, you know, 15 minutes ahead of time. Uh, so if we know, Jason, that it's you so leave cool. at 7 a.m. every or most Monday mornings, Tuesday morning, whatever, we can send you that message. And we are. And as a reminder, and quite frankly, if it's a snowy day and we see there's traffic, we'll send it five five minutes or 10 minutes earlier. If we see that you're low on fuel, 
Um, we'll, an add-on to that will be notifying people that their windows are down. And if we see it starting to rain or they oh, forgot wow. to lock their door, um, all of these things are just personalizing, making for a better experience, making people want to, uh, um, you know, really feel apart and enjoy driving their vehicle. I just want to feel more connected to it. See, you know, I, I've I've had a big push for the last 10 years in all my consulting efforts is I want the dealership to feel more connected to the customer, either through their marketing or through their operations or, or any of their processes. And and now I feel like we're getting to this really cool place where there's this sense of connectivity, not only to the dealership, but to the manufacturer and to the product. And it creates like this, this triangle effect of, of connecting to each other. And, and I just think it's so cool. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to the day I can step into a car and it automatically changes the ambient light to orange because it knows I'm in the car. <laughs> right. But that truthfully, that's coming. That is it's one of our world. services. It's called themes and yes. you can choose the, the music type, the color, there's a whole variety of things, the, the, the way in which it, it drives, the speed. Um, and as you know, these days, vehicles, they change over time. We yes. have the ability to do over-the-air updates and make changes very much personalized to, to, to you. So now do um, I get to create this profile? And then kind of like with my phone, when I move from the one version of the phone to the next one, does everything just kind of go along with me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's your uh, seat settings, whether it's your uh, radio settings, uh, again, personalizing and making it, you know, just a seamless ownership experience from one vehicle to the next. Uh, There's so many different things that are coming. I'm so excited for that. I I, I really am. Right. Because I just... I think as consumers, we just, we want to feel connected. We want to feel more connected. And I, and I think of some of the, the best products that I own, right, that I use on a regular basis, I feel there's a sense of connectivity. Like, I talk to this thing on a very regular basis. But if people that are not watching or, or not li- or listening to the first watch, I'm holding my phone right now. I talk to my phone. <laughs> my phone talks back to me. I didn't want to say its name because it'll probably kick in and are asking me a bunch of questions, but, but, but there's a sense of connectivity and, you know, no question about it. They've done an incredible job. A, a phone is just an extension of your life today. And we, we very much, uh, envision the same, uh, with the vehicle. And quite frankly, actually the, the app on your phone as being a very important part of your relationship with your vehicle. Uh, a lot there. And also even in vehicle, uh, a lot will be coming into what's called the in-head unit mm-hmm. uh, where you can directly communicate back and forth and do a lot in the vehicle. Again, having the access to the data and the <laughs> analytics, uh, a lot of uh, pretty exciting uh, future there as well. There's so many cool things. I do want to bounce back a little bit because I wanted to dig just a little bit deeper into some of your uh, data analytics strategies. And I'm thinking specifically for our audience, you know, we have a lot of managers and marketing managers that are internet managers are listening to this. And I think there's just a lot of people out there that are always still just looking for good ways to utilize their data in, in the sense of connection. And I think connection's key. So now, okay, so that is one thing that I've noticed a big shift, I would say probably in the last two to three years, okay, is, is the data has been used there, but the data has been kind of used with the intent of creating a transaction, Right. Like, hey, your vehicle's in an equity position and you should come buy this one because it's twenty two dollars less a payment. Right. 
I'm finding some of the more progressive dealers are looking at their data and they're looking at how can we use this data to better connect with the customer. And I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on that and maybe some strategies. Sure. The, to, to use a little bit of the lingo, uh, there's a lot of focus these days on what's called next best action or next mm. best experience. And it's actually used, again, I don't want to go, I'm not one to use a lot of lingo, but that's where you can use artificial intelligence or AI to figure out what is truly the right next action or experience for any individual. So for me, it might be based on what we know about me and where I am in my ownership cycle. It might be a message sure. because I, I'm in equity or I'm nearing the end of my lease to offer me a message to buy a new vehicle. However, for you, Jason, it could be a safety message because of your vehicle. It could be, mm -hmm. you might be new in your vehicle, there's all this new technology, and quite frankly, people don't understand half of it in most vehicles. That's the true. whole educational aspect is really important to teach people, explain to them what's in their vehicle. So that might be the right next thing for you. So again, mm -hmm. you're, you're using the data and the, where AI comes in is it helps you look at it, the advanced analytics lets you look at and say people who look like Alan who are here likely will want a a message on lease end versus people who are in, experiencing where they are in their life cycle and have owned the kinds of vehicle as Jason might need a message explaining to them how to use the uh, uh, the, the the automatic parking feature of their vehicle um, so that's uh really where we see the world going. Uh, we're spending a lot of time on that uh, at General Motors. Um, we need to continue to partner with our dealers to make it a truly uh, cohesive experience from dealer to consumer to, uh, to uh, in, uh, manufacturer. You know, as you know, and at least at General Motors, we are just all in with our, our, our dealer partners. We have 4,000 plus of them and they are an extremely important part of our, uh, our greatest asset. And, uh, you know, that, that's never going to change. And, and you know what I, I will say, you know, between us, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of GM dealerships. My first dealership I worked at was a GM dealership. And, um, out of all the manufacturers I work with, I get a lot of positive response. Like, Gee, it's just getting better. Like this, we're getting stronger and stronger, you know, connection right i mean look it is what it is right there's there's the wholesaler and there's the retailer right but i think that there are certain oems that are really focusing on how we just better that connection but then also how we bring the, the customer into that connection and we really make this a, a, a shared effort and i think that's awesome you know that, that gm is really pushing the envelope of you know not just connecting to the customer but connecting the dealer to the customer and to themselves and just making this a strong relationship yeah still still ways to go no question about it because you know you have a lot of different databases and data sets and they don't all talk to each other and so there's there's a lot of work um to to continue to get better but uh there, there's certainly uh, the interest and in, in a lot of work happening to to do just that well, Alan, I know we're towards the tail end of our time today, and I'm, I'm sure there's probably a lot more we can go deeper <laughs> down these rabbit holes, right? Um, but hey, before I let you go, I got one last question because this is this sure. is one mainly for me. All right, your favorite GM vehicle, don't matter which which era. I need to know a a model and a why it's your favorite. <laughs> this might be a 
a weak answer, but I'm going to go with the one sitting in my in, in, in my parking lot right now right. in my driveway. Uh, I have the, the, the Cadillac XT6. All right. Um, what I love about that vehicle is it's like the perfect size and ride. It's a, It's got the third row. Um, so whenever I need that and any of my kids are visiting or friends, you can get, you know, six people in there, but unlike some of the larger truck based vehicles, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to drive. It drives like a car. It does not feel like, uh, anything big. And, uh, so I just love it. I would, you know, I'll, I'll never go back, uh, whether it's the, the, the Buick version that's similar, which is, you know, the, uh, the Enclave or the Chevy Traverse. I just love those three row crossovers that are so e- a, a big package, but real easy to, uh, to drive and handle. So I'm, you, you a, know, I'm a real um, fan. One of my first cars I ever sold, um, was, was exactly that by GM. And I still think one of the most underrated crossovers GM ever built. And that was the Pontiac Aztec. Yeah, well, you're 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 in the minority on that one. I will say that. Um, oh, come I will on. say the I most nostalgic vehicle. I... <laughs> most nostalgic vehicle for me was my first car was a uh, a uh, puke green uh, Oldsmobile uh, Cutlass Supreme, and oh, I, I think oh, the uh, the I think the hood on that thing was about twenty feet long <laughs> because it probably had a four hundred in it, didn't it? <laughs> It was it was pretty fast. Uh, that was a great car. So. Let's see. I think the first uh, GM vehicle I owned was a um, a Sunfire. Oh yeah, I nice. was I was a cool kid at school, man. Driving that Sunfire, I'll tell I'm you sure what. you were. <laughs> hey, Alan. Um, I, I I know we're towards our tail end, but I know we could jam for a lot longer. Before I let you go, though, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now, and uh, maybe would love to connect with you or kind of just follow along with your social journey too. What what's what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am there uh, under t- my name, General Motors. You'll find me very quickly, and, uh, and I'm happy to uh, uh, help out, and particularly folks that might be coming from the same place as me in the dealer world mm-hmm. uh, where, uh, you know, there's still a lot of room to, 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 to improve. And uh, so happy to, to be of help however possible. Alan, thanks for taking the time to chat with me and just and being just being open and just being yourself. I, you know, I think if there are people out there watching and listening, you know, to this and and they get some value from that, I think there's a it's just tremendous. And I really appreciate just your total transparency. Alan, um, thank you again for your time. You have yourself an amazing day. You bet. Thanks, Jason. You as well. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.